Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, Ridgeview. We are so glad that you're here uh, to worship with us uh, this morning. And I'm wrapping up this series called Catalyst, which we started a few weeks ago, uh, talking about how God grows our faith and the process uh, for which that happens. Uh, but before I do that, I wanted to introduce two uh, special guests, uh, and I didn't give a chance to tell you I was going to do this, but today we have Harold and Deborah Bullock. If you guys could raise your hand, they're right there in the back. Uh, let's give them a hand, and I'll tell you why. Um, Harold and Deborah have been dear friends uh, to Samantha and I for many, many years. We first met uh, Harold and Deborah in college uh, when we were younger than we are now. And uh, through the years, Harold has been a great source of encouragement to me, and I know Deborah has to Sam and, and many women. And Harold is the founder and planter of Hope Church in Fort Worth, Texas. And Hope Church uh, is a church that has planted and been a part of planting many churches helped get Church in the Valley started, which is our sending church. And here we are as Ridgeview Church because of the work that was started many years ago by Harold and his wife, Deborah. So they're here as our special guests today. And so welcome to both of you. And if you've never met Harold and Deborah after the service, I encourage you to do that. Maybe just time it so there's not like a long line, but I think that would be an encouragement to you. So we're so glad that you guys are here. And all of you, as we wrap up this series, and I want to kind of start by giving an overview of where we've been in case that you've missed uh, any of, of the week so far. And the, the title is, is Catalyst, but more than that, we've been looking at the idea of faith and how God wants to grow it through these things called catalysts. And as these things encounter our life and as we experience them, uh, our faith can grow as we respond in the right way. And what you find as you begin to learn more about God and following him is faith is central to the relationship with God. And, and actually, faith is needed for any uh, growing relationship because faith is confidence and it's trust. And so as our faith in God grows, uh, what we're saying is our confidence in him grows, our trust in him grows. And so the central idea of what we've been looking at in this series is that growing faith equals a growing maturity. If you want to grow in your relationship with God, and you want to grow as a person and develop and not stay the same, it happens through uh, the path of faith as you choose to place your confidence in God over yourself. And as you do that, faith grows uh, over time. And so God is very concerned with our faith and our confidence in him. And in fact, uh, the scripture says that faith pleases God. It's something that he looks for and it pleases him. And you, you see that in Hebrews 11, Six, and I'm going to read that for you, and it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And so for the last few weeks, we've been talking about how in the middle of life and what we face, God is wanting us to know that, that he is with us and he is for us. And there's things that might be difficult. There's things that we might not have seen coming but as our confidence in him grows, our understanding that he's with us and he's for us, it grows as well. And so what God does is he wants our confidence in him to grow, and it grows through five major catalysts, and I just want to highlight these, and we're going to close out today looking at the last one. And so here they are, five catalysts God used to grow our faith. The first one is practical teaching. And so anytime you hear the word of God and you're able to take steps to apply it into your life and it's practical and it's relevant, your faith grows. 
because you see that God's ways can be lived out. And as you live out his ways, blessing comes, success comes over time. Uh, The second catalyst God uses is private disciplines. This is what we're doing right here on a Sunday is we're gathering together and we're learning as, as a whole group and we're relating and we're beginning to get to know each other and build friendships. But there's a lot of what happens in our spiritual life that no one sees. And it's the time that we spend reading his word. It's the time that we spend praying to him and communicating. And the idea of we're going we're gonna to communicate with God through our prayers, and he's going to communicate to us through his word, and he begins to lead us. And as he begins to lead us, it happens through these, these private disciplines. And our confidence in him grows as he comes through. And then the third is providential relationships. And we looked at this last week. It's the idea that God puts people in our life at just the right time to grow us. And this happens many times. They encourage us. They call us forward. They challenge us. And people do this to us. And then at the same time, there's providential relationships where God puts us in the path of others to do the same, to encourage them, to call them forward. And these providential relationships grow our faith. Last week, we also looked at it grows through personal uh, relationships or personal ministry. Personal ministry is the idea is like, as I, as I serve specifically others within the community of faith here in the church and as I serve in the church, what I'm doing is, is I'm actually getting past myself, my own goals, my own agenda, everything that I am concerned with. And I'm saying that I, I wanna be a part of something bigger than just me and my world. And in fact, when I enter in a relationship with God, I become a part of his church and his mission to, to change the world. And as I do that and as I step out, my, my faith grows. And it happens as well, not only as we serve, but as we share. So personal ministry is sharing with others the difference that Christ has made in our life. When we do that and we step out and say, God has made a difference in my life. As I followed his word, it's made a difference in my life. As we share that with others, our faith grows. And then today... We're looking at the last, and just in case you were wondering, they are all start with the letter P, okay? So today is pivotal uh, circumstances. Pivotal circumstances are the pressures that we face in life, trouble, hard things, things, again, that we don't necessarily want to happen, but they do. And God meets us in the middle of those hard things and what we face, and our faith can grow. And so I want to define what, what pivotal means, and it's of course, a technical Google dictionary definition. This is what it says. It's of crucial importance in relation to the development or success of something else. So there's something that happens that's important, and depending on what that is, it creates something else. So it's kind of that idea of the the catalyst. But it's this pivotal moment that when the pressure is on in life, when maybe the walls feel like they're caving in, when the weight on us feels like it's overwhelming, there's something that God wants to do in the middle of that. He wants to get our attention, and more importantly than that, he wants our confidence in him to grow because we realize we cannot bear this weight. We need him to come alongside us and lead us forward. Now, that sounds great when you say pivotal circumstance, but if you're like me, in the middle of trouble and hard things, it's not fun. It's usually not what we want. If you're like me, you want kind of the path of least resistance. You want your day when you wake up to go as you planned. But does that really happen in life? Not usually. On a calendar, life is great. In reality, there's all sorts of things that hit us that we didn't see coming. But what you find is we're going to face adversity and trouble 
in the major things that we need to do in life. So I was just thinking of things that all of us would find important. If, if you're married, uh, you want a strong marriage, right? All of us would say that. If you're married, you want a strong marriage. If you hope to be married, you hope to have a strong marriage. But to build a strong marriage, you're going to face adversity. Because you got two people that sometimes have two different goals and agendas, and there's trouble and pressure there. If you have kids, you want to raise good kids. If you're following Christ, you want to raise godly kids. But that's where a lot of trouble lies as well, because they have their own will. There's all sorts of things that are pressuring their relationships, your relationship, and things can like ignite at any moment. We want to develop a career, something to show for our efforts over time. Well, there's a lot of adversity there. Because, again, we're working with people, we're working with deadlines, and the pressure mounts. And everything that, like this, whether it's from our finances to our personal life to the relationships, that's where the pressure is. So I think all of us would agree it's going to happen. Pressure, trouble, hardships, it's inevitable. The key, though, is not if it's going to happen, but what do we do when we're in the middle of those pivotal circumstances? And that's what we're going to focus on today. How should we respond. Because here's what you find. Wrong responses, they actually dull the effect of trouble. Wrong responses dull the effect of trouble. Some of the wrong responses that I have in my own life, when something happens, say you have a car problem. We were just talking this morning with group, nothing gets your attention like a car problem. You ever had like a, you know, a screw that's gotten into the tire? You're not going to go anywhere. And I start to ask questions like, why now? You ever ask that just Why? Why now? Why me? Why couldn't it happen at home when I had everything I needed? All of these why questions, and it's normal, but they're wrong responses because they don't actually lead to anything productive. Another response that I have when pressure mounts is just I resent it. I I can get frustrated. I can get angry and cause me to lash out and cause problems in my relationships because I'm resenting God for maybe allowing this hard thing to happen. I can resent others for maybe they caused it to happen. And the why questions lead to the resentment that lead to the frustration. And before I know it, that pressure is squeezing the life out of me. Now, have you guys heard the phrase, when life gives you lemons, what are you supposed to do? Make lemonade. Look at the, there's a, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. So this is an an approach, like an attitude that you have. If life gives you lemons, the idea of when life sours, when it is bitter, when it's full of citric acid, you make, you make lemonade. So I started to look, well, what are other responses when life gives you lemons? Here, here's some. If life gives you lemons, throw them away and get some bacon. And so that, that, that idea is when, when trouble hits, just act like it's not there and just go the opposite way. Everyone likes bacon, right? Here's another one. Put that up on the screen. If life hands you a lemon, don't complain. Convert it into lemonade and sell it to those who are thirsty from griping. That's another reproach. It doesn't quite have the same ring as make lemonade, but the idea is you got to do something with what you're facing and then just let everyone know you got to do something too. It's kind of like rub it, rub it in their face. Drink this, get over it. And then here's, here's the last one. When life gives you lemons, squirt someone in the eye. Now, you may not have heard of these, and there's a reason why. Those aren't as motivational. But these all represent real responses that we have. 
And they're funny when you think about lemons and lemonade. But when you face life, we do the same things. It hits us, and we want to act like it's not there. And we want to just trade it in. Or we begin to look at all the people that have caused this to happen. Or we want to make them pay. I'm under the pressure. I'm in trouble. You, you need to help or you need to be in this. We're in this together. The ship is sinking. Come on board. And, and all this happens a lot of times without thinking. However, our faith doesn't grow. Those responses, the whys, the resentment, the frustration, while they're normal, our faith doesn't grow. So today, faith catalyst number five, pivotal circumstances. And here's the main idea that you find in Scripture. Trouble is a test of faith that can have tremendous value. There's a value that comes from trouble where you can learn and gain things from that you may not when life is going smooth. Now, even as I say that, that just seems like that is hard. But it's true. When you're in trouble, there's some values that you can get into your life that you can't get any other way. And I want to walk through James chapter 1 because it gives some really helpful perspective of, of the attitude we choose and then the responses that we, we take based on that, that attitude. So let me kick off by reading it, and then I'll kind of walk through it step by step. Here's the perspective. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Have you ever read the Bible and you just read it and you're just like, what? How does that perspective even, that doesn't even make sense. Because it starts with, again, an attitude that we should have. And the first aspect is it, count it all what? Joy. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And so the value of trouble begins with the way that we see it when it hits us. When the pressure squeezes, when the weight is upon us, the Bible is saying is, pay attention. There's something going on here. God is at work. He wants to do something. And that's that pivot point. How do I respond? Well, I'm supposed to count it all joy. The pressure is on. Class is starting. God wants to teach me something. Now, if you're like me, it's count it all freak out when you face, right? When, when the trouble comes, you just can melt under the pressure. If you melt under the pressure, you lose the value of what God wants to do. And the second part of the passage gives the reason why. We don't count it all joy for trouble in itself, but what God wants to do through it. And that's where it goes on. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So there's this joy and attitude that you have. And the count is that you lead your mind to that. Your mind, natural progression when you face trouble is, is to just get overwhelmed, panic. But to count it all joys, I'm going to lead my mind to what God wants to do. I'm going to lead it in the way it should go. Because I know that what he wants to do is, in this testing, he wants to produce steadfastness. Now, steadfastness here refers to this, this word picture of a patient endurance. There's a patience that God wants to build in us and an endurance at the same time. So the idea is as the pressure is mounting on you, you start to feel it, you know, in your legs, and it, you just, it's, you're starting to feel it. You're starting to feel it. Have you guys ever 
done the challenge for how many grocery bags you can grab. I like to test my, you know, just I don't want to make two trips. I want to do one. And so you've got seven bags until you have to start paying for them. And now you're just holding them, you know. But you just try to, it's that, that idea, like you're, you're bearing this weight and everything in you, you're like, oh, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could do it. And what God, God wants to say is, yes, you can. I, I'm with you and I'm for you. And he wants to build endurance in us. And there's this patience where we're not going to bail because we know that God is going to come through. So when we're building a strong family, when we're trying to do ministry and love people, and when we're trying to grow a business and build a career, all these things just say bail, it's hard. Run, it's difficult. But God wants us to, to grow. He wants to build this patient endurance. And it's interesting, as I introduce Harold uh, and Deborah, I, I met Harold actually when I was in college, like I said, but I had a conversation with Harold, and I, you may not even recall this, Harold, but when I was 22 years old, and some of you have been there, you go to college and you have all these dreams of like what you're going to do, and you get out of college, you're like, I finished college, and then you get a job and you think, why did I leave college? You kind of just want to get back to college, like that was, you go through college as quick as possible to get through it, and then you realize like that was that was the easiest life was going to be. And then I got a job, and I was in the grind of a job, and I was at a conference in Texas, and I had that. I was 22, and I was just newly married, and I was in a job I didn't like, and I didn't want to wake up, and I didn't want to go to it, and I didn't want to be there, and I just was overwhelmed. And so I decided, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to Harold. He's a wise man. He has experience. And so I went, went to Harold, and I said, Harold, what do you do when you're in a job that you don't like? Because I, I don't like this. It's a grind. I don't feel like it fits me and my wiring, and I'm just really struggling. What? Do you have, have any advice? And Harold began to talk, and he says, well, consider the slaves of the Old Testament and how they endured. Thanks, Harold. And I just began to step away, and I had kept chewing on that. And I thought, well, that I wanted him to say, you know what, Alex? You need to find the job that's going to fit you so you can soar like a star. But instead, it was look at the Old Testament, at the slaves and how they endured. I didn't want endurance. I wanted a quick fix. I wanted a magic key. I wanted to get out of there. But what Harold did when I was 22 would give me perspective because the test that I was facing then to endure helped me when I was 32. And the test when I'm 32 will help me as I'm 42 and as I'm 52. And that's what happens in the life that we're facing. God deals with us right now. And although there's things that we don't want, there is this endurance that, that God wants to build. And then in James 1.4, it goes on. So not only does it produce steadfastness, but then see what happens. It says, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Now, perfect isn't perfect in our sense that you never do anything wrong. Trouble has tremendous value, but it doesn't make us perfect in our sense. In the original language, the perfect there is actually referring to this, this wholeness the value it gives when you face trouble, when you grow in that patient endurance, when you see God comes through, it's this idea of 
you're somebody who's secure. Because God, in his promises, have been tested for you. You can look back and you see God's track record. And in his track record, you see this ground that you've been walking on and it's free of cracks and you've been on this stable path. And everyone wants security. But when you rely on God in trouble, you can look back and you can see, I am a secure person. I'm whole. Because God didn't leave my side, just like that song we sang. He is with us and he's for us. And then that, that other word, complete, it means this maturity. You're somebody that not only has this wholeness and a security to them, but there's a maturity where you can handle life and its demands. And that comes through the way of trouble. And the value that you learn in that moment, it can't be learned any other way. I want to continue in the passage, and I want to talk about, since this is true, and if this is true, then it actually means that we need to respond in a certain way. And I've talked a little bit about the attitude that we have, how we have to lead our mind, the thing that God wants to produce. But there's also this, this aspect of when we follow God, there's responses that we have, and then he responds to us, and that's this relationship that's going on. It's this active, personal relationship. And here's what God wants to do. He wants to grow our faith as we rely on him in the midst of pivotal circumstances. In verse 5, he goes on. So you're going to be mature. There's this perfect wholeness, this stability, this security that you have, lacking in nothing. Now, I would love that to be my life. I lack nothing. And then God's response is, well, how much do you want that to happen? Oftentimes it happens through the things that we don't want, through trouble, but it causes us to have this maturity. Then it goes on. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And then verse 7 goes on. It says, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And so I want to start with that verse 5. So we're in this pressure cooker. The heat is turned up. The weight is on us. We're in the middle of things that are hard. The first step, the first response is you ask God for help. And this is the assurance of verse 5 because it's hard to consider it joy. It's hard to lead my mind to that in the middle of the hard things. But in verse 5, what it's saying is because that's difficult and it's counterintuitive, what do you do? You, You ask him. You ask him for help. And so for me, um, it usually starts as a, as, a, as a prayer. So when I ask God for help and I'm in the middle of some hard things, I say, God, help me as I handle this circumstance or help me as I handle this relationship, help me as I handle this trouble, this pressure. So that asking for help, it's just like that. Just God, help me as I handle this. Help me to make the most of this hard time. Give me insight and give me understanding. Most of the time when the pressure's on, our mind shuts off. But it's right then where the ground is fertile for learning. So we just ask God for help. God, 
Help me right now in what I'm facing. Give me insight. Give me understanding. Help me to learn from this uh, what I need to learn. The reason that's important is in the middle of hard things, again, not only does our mind shut down, but sometimes we go the other extreme. We, we try to fix our problems. Uh, many times, if you've ever been tight financially, any of you guys, like it's kind of the end of the month and you're ready for July to start because like the finances restart, anyone? Is that just me? July Eve, like Joel said, tomorrow's a new month. But there's times when you're tight financially and the stress is mounting on you that you think, you know what would make this better? A vacation. You ever done that? Like the pressure's on and financially you feel it and all you want to do is spend because it'll make you feel better. But in that decision, when the pressure was on, we kind of use that as the thing to bail us out. And then even if you use a credit card, you know that still follows you. You're going to pay for that. And it's the same in relationships. In the middle of the pressure, we, we lash out. Because somehow in the lashing out, it feels like we're in putting our justice. Like, just we got to make things right according to us. And so... We, we lash out or we hurt, we, we do damage. And so that asking God for wisdom is, God, help me not to do natively what I want to do right now. Help me to realize that, that you are, are going to come through. And then that leads to the second part in James. Have faith that he will provide. And this is what it says in verse six. Let me read that again. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And this is, again, the picture of the confidence. You ask in faith, knowing that if you do what God asks you to do, as you handle your responsibilities, as you handle your relationships, as you handle all that's on your plate, as you do what God asks you to do, you're saying that this ground that I'm standing on, trusting you, God, will support the weight of my life and all that I have to face. I don't need to jump on a different foundation. The foundation of following you is secure enough. And the picture is that of the waves. So what happens when the pressure mounts is there's times where you feel like you just gotta make yourself happy or please yourself or chase the dream or the goal that you want, but you, you stay, stay on the foundation that God's put you in. Don't jump into this ocean and the waves of circumstances. And it's when circumstances are good, you feel good. When circumstances are bad, you feel bad. It's this picture that you're just tossed. And if you've never chosen to trust God, he wants to remove you from these waves onto the solid ground. So it works both ways. God will rescue you as you choose faith in him. And then the last part is choose to obey. And that's verse 7 and 8. It says this. For that person, so this is the person that doubts God will come through. For that, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Uh, this, this word double-minded literally means like two souls. It's, it's there's two directions that you're trying to go at the same time. So the picture here of the one who obeys is when the trouble is on and the pressure is being turned up and the weight is on our shoulders. We choose to obey God and do what he says. We, we don't have a backup plan. A double-minded man is, I'm gonna do what God says, but if it doesn't happen in this time frame, 
I have another plan. It's like a contingency plan. That's actually not confidence in God. He's our spiritual father. If you've been a parent, you know that you want your kids to have this confidence and security that you're going to take care of them. And it's the same with God. So again, the analogy of of the the ocean is to be a double-minded, it means you have one foot on the solid rock trusting God, and then you have one foot in the ocean and the waves are coming. Can you stand that well with one foot on a rock in the middle of waves? No. You're going to be blasted off that rock. So the idea is you, you have your footing secure that God will come through. He will do what he says. And I'm going to choose to obey. And so for me, what that means as the pressure mounts in my work, I still need to work diligently. My mind can go a million directions as I face struggles, as life gets hard. And oftentimes the thing that's to go is our responsibilities. We tend to let go of them because we're so preoccupied with the trouble. But choosing to obey says, I'm going to work diligently. I'm going to handle my responsibilities. I'm still going to serve and love the people around me. I'm still going to continue to be faithful with my assignments, knowing that that God is going to come through. And so my prayer for this is in the middle of it. God, give me the strength to handle what I need when when I feel tired, when I feel alone, when I feel frustrated. Will you help me to be faithful with everything on my plate? Because if you're like me, everything in you, you want to bail. But again, what does God want to produce? Steadfastness. Patient endurance. That makes us secure and whole and mature people. And so my role is I need to ask God for help and his wisdom. I need to have faith that he's going to provide. I'm going to put both my feet on the foundation that he's my confidence. He will come through. And then third, I'm going to choose to obey. I'm going to handle my responsibilities. Here's the good news. Our response is not the only thing going on in the relationship. God has a role as well. And this is found in the passage too. The first thing is God's role as we turn to him in trials, he provides generously. This is what's so great about reading the scripture for yourself because when it says to count it all joy and you see this weight of responsibility trying to lead your mind to the right perspective and asking God for help, it, that can be overwhelming. Like, how can I do that? I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Is God there? And then you read the scriptures and it says this in verse five. Let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. So as I ask him for wisdom, as I cry out for help, as I turn to him for strength, he hears me. He is with me. He sees me. I'm not alone. And if the creator of the universe, the almighty God, sees me and is near me and hears me, I have nothing to be afraid of. Not only that, but when I ask him for help. He gives generously. He's not stingy. He's going to give me wisdom. And that wisdom is usually just situational. How do I handle what's on my plate? So when it says gives generously, God gives generously. He gives us what we ask. 
What it doesn't mean is that God gives us the whole plan for our whole life. Because that's no longer faith anymore, right? Because that's, we see it all. We don't have to have faith. Now we just see it. That's sight. The scripture says we, we walk by faith, not by sight. And so God's wisdom is like one step at a time. And you step towards the fog and God comes through. And then you step and God comes through. And you step, and again, you're looking back, and man, this, this path I'm on is secure, and it's leading me in a direction. And not only that, the fog is beginning to clear, and it clears one step at a time. And that leads to this next point. He adds the stability as we trust his guidance, step by step. Now, oftentimes our prayers, God, rescue me. And there are times where we need to be rescued from what we're facing. But it's not usually this, he just pulls us out. It's, it's, he rescues us by the steps we take. I'm going to take the step to obey you here and see you come through. I'm going to take the step to obey you here and see you come through. And that, again, that, that fog begins to lift. I want to close out tying it to what's the way forward for, for us. And I want to recap everything we've talked about so far in, in this series. And the reason I want to do this is, Throughout these weeks, I've been introducing you to our strategy as a church. And a strategy is really our intention and the map to help everyone who's a part of our church grow in faith. And so these catalysts are actually tied uh, to our strategy. And so the way forward, if you go back to that question there, what's the way forward? The way forward is to move forward, is to take steps forward. And here's, here's our strategy and it's an acrostic of ridge for the ridge view, keeping our eyes where they should, and to regularly attend a worship service, to invest and invite, develop my life through learning, group with others, and engage uh, by serving. And so these are tied to the callus. If you go to the next screen, you'll see how they fit with the five things we've been talking about each week. Because we want to align our strategies as a church to the way that God grows our faith. And we believe you take these steps to regularly attend and to invest and invite in others and develop your life through learning and to group with others and build relationships and then serve and extend yourself. Not only will that grow your faith, but everything I've talked about today, this is where the obedience happens. When the pressure mounts and when we face trouble, you turn to God and then you remain faithful. And I want to encourage you, if, if you're facing difficult things, the way God wants to help you is he does that through his church. He does that through the community. As you step in, you realize you're not alone. As you step in, you realize there's people that will pray for you. There's people that will love you and will serve you, and you can do the same to them. So the picture of what God does in trouble and in pressure and in faith growing and faith building happens in the context of what he wants to do here. And so pull out, there's a card in there that says Ridgeview Strategy. I want to encourage you to, to pull that out right now. And this is just a summary. So you can be reminded of what do I need to be doing and where do I need to be going and the map that I need to be following. And, and this is just a way, as you're plugging in to Ridgeview, without pressure, that these are just steps that you can take. This is just a way of, okay, God, as I do these, my, my faith will continue to grow. And so practical teaching, 
you, you get that as you regularly attend. And so one of the commitments you can make is I'm going to attend Ridgeview when I'm in town. And I'm, I'm going to ask God to speak to me when I'm here on a Sunday, that, that God will show me his word and the way forward. Um, personal ministry, that's the investing and inviting. So one of the practical steps is, of obedience is I'm going to actively pray and invite, so pray for the people that I'm meeting and then actively invite friends and others to Ridgeview. That's a step you can take. And God will grow your faith as you do that. To develop my life through learning, the private disciplines and the pivotal circumstances, uh, this is reading your Bible on a regular basis. And we have a, a handout, if you're interested, um, in our resources of the Bible in a jar, reading through John and Acts and Romans. So if you've never read Scripture for yourself, we want to help you with that. We want to help guide you. And so pick one of those up. And if you need help uh, with how to, how to do that, l- let me know after the service. And then group with others the, the providential relationships. As Joel was describing the connect groups, it's not too late to, to jump in to a connect group. We meet this Wednesday and the next a few weeks after that. This is a way to just get outside of this Sunday morning gathering and build some relationships. And the last, the engage by serving the personal ministry. Um, you can serve the ministry here at Ridgeview. We have people that get here early and they stay late. They transform this uh, school into a church. And there's people that are serving behind the scenes in all different areas. The great thing about a new church like we are is, is there is a lots of opportunities for you to help. And so I just encourage you, where you are, look at that strategy and decide what, what is it that, that you could do. And so I'm going to invite the band to come up, and you can think that through. And then Garrett is going to walk us through some next steps uh, on uh, your connection card that you can take today as a response uh, to this message. So, so let me pray and ask God to, to give us strength as we move forward. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word, which guides us in a way that gives us insight beyond ourselves. And you command us to count it joy, to lead our mind to joy when we face trouble and pressure and hard things. Because we know, God, that you're at work and you're teaching us and you want us to learn patience and to endure and to see that you come through. And so I I pray for anyone here right now that's facing just some pivotal circumstances that are facing just pressure that fills beyond them. God, will you draw near to them right now in the name of Jesus and help them to know that you're there, that you see them. And I pray for peace for them. For people that are hurting or feeling overwhelmed, God, your, your word says that when we ask you for help, you... You give us wisdom, and you give to us generously. So with what we're facing, God, help us to see the path forward and the path forward to take the steps we need to keep obeying and being faithful. And God, if there's anyone here that's just feeling like they're in the ocean of their emotions or their circumstances, I pray that you will lead them to decide today to follow you for the first time, that they'll place their confidence in their faith in your son, Jesus. We thank you for your presence here. In his name we pray, amen.